Well, I joked earlier that I like coming to Ivanrest because you guys call me Pastor Luke. <laughs> and I'm still coming to terms with the fact that I'm a seminarian. Yeah, never mind a pastor. But good morning. Good to be back with you all. Thank you so much for having me. I love being here. Um, and yeah, I'm just happy, happy to be with you guys this morning. If you'd like to open your Bibles with me, that's Psalm 27. As I said this morning, I may say Sam, but I really mean Psalm. I'm not talking about some guy called Sam. I'm talking about Psalm in the Bible, okay? That funny accent that you guys remember. Psalm 27, beginning at verse 1, and we're going to read the whole thing. The shuffle has stopped. Okay, I'll go. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask, Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of a sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At His sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me. Answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. It's the first week of a new year. 2019, we made it. And as Yoko Ono and John Lennon is known to have said, another year over and a new one's just begun. And there's often a positive attitude at the beginning of a new year, isn't it? Our aspirations and desires for the coming year ring with optimism and enthusiasm. I'm going to do this year, we say, what I failed to do last year. Come at me, 2019. I'm ready. There's often a confidence when entering a new year, and why wouldn't there be? Just two weeks ago, we all gathered and were given shiny new things that haven't quite lost their glow. Sweaters and socks for some of us. Not only are we entering a new year, but we're going to be stylish about it. A new year is also a blank slate. It's a do-over. There are new possibilities to achieve, new ways to grow, new things to learn. There's often a positive air as we enter a new year. 
This year we say, I'm finally going to reach that weight loss goal. Though my wife tells me if I was to lose any more weight, I'd disappear. This year, I'm finally going to get on top of that debt. This year, I'm finally going to make the first team and we're going to win state. This is the year that my relationships are really going to blossom and flourish. This is the year I feel it. Come at me, 2019. I'm looking good and I'm ready. Are you with me? But what if it's not? What if this isn't the year you desire it to be? What if instead of hopes to be healthy, you experience worrisome illness in your own life or in the lives of those you love? What if instead of being financially secure, we experience instead struggles to make ends meet? What if in our hopes to gain this year, we encounter instead great loss? What do we do when our hopes and our confidence is disturbed by the challenges that might come our way? David begins Psalm 27, and you can look at it if you'd like, in an air of exuberant confidence. David opens this psalm with a declaration of unshakable, unwavering trust in the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation, we hear him boisterously exclaim. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? It's almost like David is standing on a mountaintop, trash-talking his enemies. When wicked men come at me, it's they who will stumble and fall. Even if an army were to besiege me, says David, even if war breaks out around me, even then I will be confident. Come at me, adversaries, I dare you. David demonstrates the kind of unwavering confidence of faith that would make any one of us feel inadequate standing next to. David, by his own admission, sounds pretty confident. But then David's words take a sharp turn. The tone of the psalm becomes quieter, more reserved. It's almost as if the circumstances that once didn't faze David are now beginning to press upon him and disturb his certainty. David moves from a confident declaration to humble supplication to prayer. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful. Answer me. Do not hide your face from me. We hear David plead. In the beginning, David, David sounded like God was at his very back. But now it seems that the armies have advanced closer. The enemies have grown in strength and are pressing in. And it appears that the Lord could not be further away. David even notes being estranged from his father and mother. And now it's the enemies, it's his foes who are doing the malicious taunting. Do not reject me or forsake me, we hear David cry. David's confident beginning turns to a humble plea for help. And there's an obvious shift in tone in Psalm 27. It's a sharp contrast. And some commentators have tried to make sense of this sharp contrast by saying that, well, basically, Psalm 27 is two separate psalms that somewhere along the way got mashed together. 
But I don't like this reasoning, and many others don't either. To think that Psalm 22 is two different psalms mashed together is to miss the point of the psalm because life has sharp contrasts. Life has abrupt change in it. Today, our lives can be going swimmingly. The water's warm, the air is clear, but tomorrow our circumstances may change and the clouds roll, roll in and the wind picks up and suddenly instead of swimming, we're panic, panickingly thrashing. Life has sharp contrasts. So too does the spiritual life. On Sunday, it can feel like God is at our very back. There is no challenge we cannot overcome, no burden too heavy to bear. God seems close. But come Wednesday, when circumstances change and arise and press against us, it suddenly feels like God could not be further away. Our prayers are feeble. Our faith feels weak. The sharp contrasts of David's psalm describes quite accurately the experience of life because life has sharp contrasts. In 2010, I made the decision to move to the United States. Crazy, I know. Who would do such thing? But I packed my bags, I said goodbye to my loved ones, I changed all my cash from euros to dollars, and I boarded a plane to be near the woman I love. And to say I was excited was is an understatement. I was thrilled, confident, ambitious, eager. I couldn't wait to begin this new journey. My plan was to get a job, to apply for a permanent visa, and begin to building a life here in, in America and cultivating my relationship with Kelsey. And when I left the shores of Ireland, as you can imagine, it was beautiful. The seas were still, the air was clear. The course ahead was clear and the plan promising. But I was gone for a little over one week when the weather began to change. I was sitting in Holland, Michigan with some close friends and we were sitting around a table laughing and talking and sharing fellowship together. When I received a text message out of the blue from my friend Karen, and it said, Luke, you need to call home immediately. And I hadn't spoken to Karen in years, so I knew something was wrong. And in that moment, the smiles around the faces dropped and we became serious. In that moment, the music that was soundtracking our evening was cut off mid-verse. The weather was changing. And so I called home, and my sister told me that my handsome, strong, kind, six-foot-five brother, Anthony, had taken his own life, and I needed to get home immediately. And in a moment, all my plans were scrapped. All my money was spent getting home. My heart was broke because my brother was gone and I wasn't there to help him. In a moment, my adversaries became many. My foes pressed against me. My faith seemed feeble. Life has sharp contrasts. This is one of mine, and I'm sure you've got yours, big ones and small ones, ones that disrupt our lives and our lives of faith. What do we do when the sharp contrasts come? 
Where do we turn when the adversary presses and the enemy advances? We stand at the cusp of a new year with new hopes and ambitions and dreams and goals to attain that are all good things. What do we do if it ain't all plain sailing? If our hope struggles and our confidence wanes? What do we do? Well, as this wonderful slide that was kindly made for me suggests, David does one thing. David's adversaries are many. His enemies numerous. His struggles countless. Yet David does but one thing. David seeks the presence of the Lord. One thing I ask, says David, one thing only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, On good days and bad days, David longs to be where God is. And some commentators believe that David wrote these words while he was in exile. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, David is forced to flee his throne and the city of Jerusalem because his son Absalom has staged a coup. And David is forced outside of Jerusalem, the place where the Ark of the Covenant is, where the Lord's dwelling place is. David is forced away from God's dwelling place. And there's a thought that David wrote these words looking toward Jerusalem from a distance, longing to be at the tabernacle, the place where God resides. And it's amazing because David's throne is at stake. David's family are in disarray. David's people are potentially divided. Yet David's one concern, one desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For David explains throughout this psalm that in God's presence there is safety. In God's presence there is shelter. In God's presence we are reminded of who we are and our heads are lifted up. In God's presence there is joy and guidance. And as we wait upon the Lord, God gives us strength and heart in His presence to endure whatever befalls us. David seeks one thing, and that is the presence of the Lord, to be in the sacred tent of the Lord where God is known to dwell. But friends, you and I know, don't we, that as sacred as the holy hill of Jerusalem is for David, it's still only a foretaste of what was to come. As majestic as the adorned tent of the Lord is, it's still only a picture of what will come to pass. As spectacular as the Ark of the Covenant is, the house of the Lord in all its splendor, it's only a glimpse of what will come to pass in the one we call Jesus. The presence of the Lord that David longed for no longer dwells in tents or in temples, but all are given access to the presence of the Lord through Jesus. Two weeks ago, we gathered in our churches to celebrate the Incarnation. We gathered to celebrate that God no longer dwells in temples built by human hands, as majestic as they may be. But God took on flesh and made His very dwelling among us, as John tells us. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, says the Gospel writer Matthew, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. David desires to go to the tent of the Lord to be with God. 
But God desires to come to earth to be with us, and He does so through Jesus Christ. The presence of the Lord that David longed for comes to you and to me in Jesus Christ, who promises that He will never leave us nor forsake us, who through the Holy Spirit indwells us, as John says, makes His home within us. We are the very space in which God indwells. In our Emmanuel, God's presence is always with us. Amen? As those who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, friends, as those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Lord that David seeks is always with us. This is our reality on good days, on bad days, in good years and bad years. When life throws its sharp contrast at us, God is with us, and God's presence in us stills our fears. God's presence in us guides us to paths of flourishing. God's presence in us renews us and grows our strength and our courage. In the sharp contrasts of life, God's presence carries us through. When I returned to Ireland, we buried my brother. We did all the usual formalities that accompany a funeral. And it became apparent that I was going to have to put my, my move on hold, and I wasn't going to be able to come to America. I had to be with my family to support and grieve together. And so I got a job in my local hometown. And the only job that was available to me was gutting and filleting fish, a noble yet smelly profession. <laughs> and I said that earlier, and some guy said after the service, he said, when you said that, I thought you were going to say you got a job in a pub, because <laughs> that's apparently what Irish people do. <laughs> but, but I would gut and fillet and skin and sell fish every day on repeat. Gut, fillet, skin, and sell monotonous, smelly job. But there was one part of my day, one part of my work day that I really longed for. I was given the undesirable task as the newbie to go out to the back of the fish shop and hose down all the storage boxes that had slime and guts and fish innards in them. That was my job for about an hour a day. I was given this disgusting task. But it's amazing because this gross task became for me a space of solace, because I had the opportunity every day to seek the presence of the Lord. I was alone amongst the guts and the boxes to be with God. And I would stick in my earphones, and I would listen to the rich songs of our faith, and I would lift before God in quiet prayers and thoughts the struggles of my heart the grief of losing my brother, the fear of the future, my weakness of faith. And in hosing down the fish boxes at the back, it became a sacred space where God would whisper His rich promises of comfort and guidance in my ears. God would renew my strength, lift my head, grow my courage, and enable me to step one more, take one more step through the sharp contrasts of life. 
The presence of the Lord, friends, through Jesus Christ, is always with us. And we stand here today with a new year laid out before us. New desires, new hopes, new ambitions, new dreams, many things to do, and they're all good things. But God invites us and empowers us to do one thing, to seek His face, to rest in His presence in good days and bad days. And the certainty of God's presence with us gives us the confidence to join with David in boldly proclaiming that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, no matter the sharp contrast that might come our way. God is with us. Would you pray with me? Gracious Lord, we thank you for this story. We thank you for your redemptive work that restores us and renews us. We thank you that you seek relationship with us to know us in the depths of our beings, to know our struggles and our pains and our losses. Lord, you enter into those spaces and you bring your healing and your strength and your courage. You bring renewal. And Lord, we don't know what this year holds for us. We give you thanks for the rich possibilities that we have. But Lord, we're confident that even if we endure struggles and challenge and griefs, that your presence is with us. And you will give us eyes to see you and ears to hear you so that in the midst of difficult circumstances, we will still have the strength to say that I can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Lead us, guide us by your gracious spirit, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen.